Jacob. I'm going to have him uh, read the passage of Scripture. Uh, but uh, today is April 1st, so I thought we would look at the very first psalm tonight, and uh, I think it'll be an encouraging time as we uh, look at finding true happiness. So Psalm 1, we'll read the whole chapter together, and then uh, Brother Jacob will lead us in a word of prayer, and we'll get right into the message tonight. Okay, Psalms chapter 1, and it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but they are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. And let's go to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your stay. Thank you for allowing us to be home, Lord, and hopefully healthy. I pray that uh, you would rid the world of this plague, but I also pray that your will would be done through it. I pray that you'd be a pastor, that you'd give him the words and wisdom to speak, and that you just bless our church, Lord, in your name. Amen. Thank you, Brother Jacob. Well, several years ago, our church in California hosted a ladies' retreat took place on a Friday night and a Saturday morning. Well, we had, and uh, we have four kids, but we had four kids back in the uh, story I'm about to share with you. And so while Julie was at the retreat on Saturday morning, I thought I would be a very good father. I thought I would do something really special with our children and uh, just me and the children. So I decided that it would be a good idea to take them to the local beach and uh, the church that uh, we served at was like two miles away from uh, Newport Beach, and uh, we went to a beach, uh, well, a little further down south, uh, about 30 minutes away, uh, that we liked to go to. And I thought we would spend Saturday morning there, and we would just kind of have some good father-child bonding time. And so we got, I got all the stuff together, and you know, I made sure everybody had all their fun beach stuff, and. We went there, and, and we, one of the things that I brought was this really nice beach tent. And this little beach tent was great for, you know, getting some shade if it was too sunny and uh, not getting too, if you got cold or something, you can get a blanket and, and, uh, or a towel and, and bundle up in this, uh, in this little tent. So anyway, I brought this tent. Well, this tent had some pockets in it, and uh, once I got this tent set up and Kids were really looking forward to getting started to play, and I said, well, let's get this tent set up first, kids. We got it set up, and I thought, well, I probably should, you know, be a wise person and, and, and take out my wallet and put that in one of the pockets of this tent and my, my phone and my keys and uh, my watch and uh, probably my ring, too. And so I took my ring and put it in one of the pockets of this tent. Well, we began to play and build sandcastles and let the kids go in the water a little bit and uh, just get all dirty and it was a it was a really a fun uh, morning together well I kind of realized that it was about time to head back and help clean up from the uh, ladies retreat that was one of the things that once the ladies retreat was over the men all come back and help clean up 
And so it's about time to start doing that. And uh, I decided that uh, it was time to get the tent cleaned up. And, and I looked inside the tent and there was a bunch of sand in it. So I, I did what a responsible dad would do. I grabbed that tent and began to shake out the, uh, the sand. Well, the problem was I did that before uh, gathering all the stuff out of the pockets of that uh, little tent. And so I saw my phone laying on the ground and I'm like, why is my phone? Oh no, I totally forgot to take out all my stuff. So I grabbed my phone and I had my kids find my wallet and where's my keys? Oh, there's one key sticking out of the sand there. Good, I got my keys, my watch. Okay, I got that. I think I've got everything except for I don't have my wedding ring. This is no bueno. I'm about to go see my wife after she got preached at at this ladies retreat and I don't have my wedding ring with me. So I decided to say, hey kids, let's work together and let's see if we can't find this ring. Well, they looked around and I looked around and there was no ring anywhere. And I was even doubting, I couldn't even really remember that I put it in one of those pockets, but I thought I had. I was like, maybe it's in the car. Maybe for some reason I forgot that I took it off in the car. Let's just go to the car and hope it's in there. I got to the car, it wasn't in there. I took the kids back to the church and I said, Julie, how was the ladies retreat? She said, oh, it was really good. What did you guys do? How was the beach? And I said, well, it was a lot of fun. Except for the fact of, uh, well, um, you heard some good preaching, right? So you're really spiritual right now, right? And she was like, yeah, why? And I said, well, I lost my wedding ring. What? It was not a good moment. And she was trying to act spiritual and be not too angry with me. She said, well, I think we could go back and find it. I said, there's no way we're going to be able to find it. I mean, talk about a needle in a haystack. That ring is lost. There's no way we can find that ring. Well, uh, two days, three days later, on a Tuesday, that was a Saturday, Tuesday, my day off, we take uh, two of the boys uh, to school, and the other two were too young to be in school. And so we took them with us to the beach, and uh, on the way over, we stopped at a rental place and rented a metal detector. And uh, we had that metal detector and went to sort of the same place that I kind of remembered where we were, sort of, and I said, this is where we were. And so we began, there was really no one else at the beach at that time, and I grabbed this metal detector and began going up and down and trying to find stuff, and uh, boy, we sure found some stuff. We found a lot of bottle caps. We found 11 cents. We found one dime and one penny, and uh, we were like, well, we're almost back to paying off the rental of this uh, metal detector here. We're, getting, we're, we're starting to earn our way back to paying it off. And then finally, about uh, 25, 30 minutes into our search, uh, my wife, who is spiritual, um, said, you know, maybe we should stop and have a word of prayer and ask the Lord to help us find this ring. And I said, uh, that's a good idea. We should have done that at the beginning. Let's, let's, let's stop and pray. So we did. We prayed and said, Lord, please help us find this. We really don't want to lose this ring. It did cost a little bit of money, and we don't want to lose that. So uh, if it's still out here, please help us find it and help us find it quickly. 
And so we decided that we would look for another 10 minutes, I think it was, and uh, we began to uh, continue looking and searching and found, an, I think, another bottle cap. And, <laughs> and, then, and then as we were about ready to end that 10 minutes, I came across some, something. It was beeping at me. And, uh, and Julie said, oh, it's probably nothing. It's probably another bottle cap. And I said, well, I'm going to dig anyway. And I dig, dug, and I came up with this ring right here. You probably can't see it in the video, but this ring was in the sand. It was a needle in a haystack, but by the grace of God, we found this ring. Why do I share this story with you tonight? Uh, the title of the message is Finding True Happiness. Was it possible for us to find this ring in all that sand? The answer is, yes, it is. Now, here's the question I have for you. Well, then, is it possible to find true happiness in all the chaos that is happening all around us right now? Is it possible? Hey, look, if it's possible for me to find this ring in all the sand of that beach... I'm telling you, it is possible. And the reason it's possible is not just because uh, of that story. Mainly it's possible because God says it's possible. That's the reason it's possible. We can find true happiness in all the chaos going around. We can find true happiness in the trials that we go through, in the afflictions that we go through. It is indeed possible. And so tonight I want to have a brief look at, at the, the first psalm tonight and see three essential characteristics of a person who found true happiness. So, first of all, we see in this passage, the passage that Jacob read a, a few moments ago, uh, this happy person is separate from the world or separated from the world. In verse number one, the Bible says, Blessed or happy or content is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. See, this is the believer who is very careful about the influences in his life. Now that many of you are home and have more time on your hands, it's very critical as believers that we diligently guard our hearts. Solomon instructed us to keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Not everything does God say to be very diligent about, but this is one of those things. With all diligence, we are to guard and keep our hearts. And this is a time in which, as we've mentioned many times already, that the devil would love to come and find a foothold into your life when there's not as much accountability, when there's more idle time. This is the time where the devil would love to get a foothold in each of our hearts and lives. Now, while it may be feasible that a person could truly be happy without the company of other people, uh, let's say that we were indeed alone right now. It's possible for you to have a, uh, a happy Christian life. But I am telling you right now, it is impossible that a person could truly be happy in the company of the wrong type of people. The wrong type of influences. It's impossible. The Bible gives us several, several warnings about the influences in our lives. Proverbs 13 and verse number 20. Uh, here it says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, 
but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. And don't think that you are an exception to this rule. Uh, it says a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Proverbs 28 and verse number 7, he says, Whoso keepeth the law is a wise son, but he that is a companion of riotous man shameth his father. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, Be not deceived, evil communications do indeed corrupt good manners. Nearness is likeness, and that is why God says here, Blessed is the man, in verse 1, that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Psalm 26 and verse 4, uh, the psalmist said, I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. Proverbs 4 and verse 14, Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. This is the warning that God's given us in His Word regarding uh, the influences in our lives. And a, and a truly happy person here, a truly happy believer, first of all, is separated from the world. Let's look at it a little bit closer here in verse number 1. Blessed is the man that first of all walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, why should we uh, not walk in that ungodly counsel? Well, notice what, the, what God does with the counsel of the ungodly in Psalm 33. In verse number 10, the Bible says, The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect, but the counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. So since the Lord brings the counsel of the heathen or the ungodly to naught, then why would we want to walk in that counsel? Why would we want to think that we can handle hanging out with those who are encouraging us to do what's wrong? So a blessed man walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Also a, a blessed man stands not in the way of sinners. When a person begins to stand in the way of sinners, it's very difficult to say no to the temptation of sin. You know, first of all, we're... We're walking in the counsel of the ungodly, and then now all of a sudden it's, we're a little closer and we're standing in the way of sinners. But the Lord is very clear when it comes to this matter in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 10. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. In other words, do not be standing in the way of sinners. A happy man also sits not in the seat of the scornful. Here we see that it is impossible to be truly happy if we are sitting with the scorners. And yet, why would we want to? For God has declared in Proverbs 19, verse 29, judgments are prepared for scorners and stripes for the back of fools. Listen to what Matthew Henry has to say about the downward spiral found in verse number one here. He said, they are ungodly first, casting off the fear of God and living in the neglect of their duty to him. But they rest not there. When the services of religion are laid aside, they come to be sinners. That is, they break out into open rebellion against God and engage in the service of sin and Satan. Omissions make way for commissions. And by these, the heart is so hardened that at length they come to be scorners. That is, they openly defy all that is sacred, scoff at religion, and make a jest 
at sin. Thus is the way of iniquity downhill. The bad grow worse. Sinners themselves become tempters to others and advocates for bail. Don't think it won't happen to you. And I better not think it wouldn't, wouldn't happen to me. Not only does the degree of sin increase as we go down through verse number one, but the position gets closer and closer. Well, with the ungodly, we're merely walking in their counsel. But before long, we'll be comfortable enough to stand in the way of sinners. And then it's not long before we're actually sitting in the seat of the scorner and participating in their wickedness. Well, you might be thinking, Pastor, I mean, I'm quarantined. I'm staying home. I'm not hanging out with anybody right now. My company is fine. Well, I hope you're right, and I hope that that's the case. But before we move on, allow me to mention one more item that might qualify as influence in our lives. And it's the little word, media. You see, like it or not, every television show we watch, every Facebook post we see, every Instagram photo we look at, every song we listen to, every movie we watch, every news article we read, every Netflix show we watch, every YouTube video we view, every commercial we see, and every website we visit is, whether we like it or not, an influence in our lives. And right now, people are consuming more media than ever because we have more time right now than ever before. We're binge watching, we are constantly checking the news, we're constantly scrolling through our social media feeds now more than ever. Why do I bring this up? Because right now is the time to be sure that we're not walking in the counsel of the ungodly or standing in the way of sinners or sitting in the seat of the scornful with our media influences. Watching the news all day long will only feed the fear and the negative vibe that is going around. We need to be aware of what's happening and not be clueless, but a truly happy person is going to separate from worldly influences. Moms and dads, can I remind you that you are the watchmen of your homes? I want to encourage you to make sure that the influences in media on the screens that your children look at are godly. They're not, verse number one, they're not, they're not walking in the counsel of the ungodly. They're not standing in the way of sinners or sitting in the seat of the scornful. David Frost said this, Television is an invention that permits you to be entertained in your living room by people you would not have in your home. Television is an invention that permits you to be entertained in your living room by people you would not have in your home. We need to be careful about what we're allowing ourselves to consume during this time. While our friends and acquaintances might indeed be godly, could the same be said of our media viewing habits during this time? There's a poem that I've shared before. I'll share it again tonight because it fits here. The poem goes, on the table, side by side, the Holy Bible and the TV guide. Now, I realize we don't really need TV guides anymore. You can just look it up online, and I get that. But on the table, side by side, the Holy Bible and the 
TV guide. One is well-worn but cherished with pride. Oh, not the Bible, but the, the TV guide. One is used daily to help folks decide. No, it isn't the Bible. It's the TV guide. As pages are turned, what shall we see? What does it matter? Turn on the TV. Then confusion reigns. They can't all agree on what they shall watch on the old TV. So they open the book in which they confide. No, not the Bible. The TV guide. The word of God is seldom read. Oh, maybe a verse ere they fall into bed. Exhausted and sleepy and tired as can be. Not from reading the Bible, but from watching TV. So then back to the table, side by side, is the Holy Bible and the TV guide. No time for prayer. No time for the word. The plan of salvation is seldom heard. Forgiveness of sins so full and free is found in the Bible, not on TV. Say, well, okay, I'm clear of that one because I don't watch TV. I watch Netflix, so that doesn't apply to me. Oh, friend, you're missing the point. Um, be careful what your influences are right now. And a happy person, a truly happy person, is going to make sure that they're separated from the world. And the influences in their lives are going to make sure that they don't fall into the categories mentioned in verse number one. So first of all, a blessed Christian is separate from the world. Secondly, a blessed Christian, conversely, is satisfied with the word. Is satisfied with the word. Verse number two. Psalm 1, verse 2, it says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. It's not like God says, you just need to get rid of all the influences in your life. No, he says, excuse me, get rid of the wrong influences and get in the right influence. And the right influence here is, of course, the Word of God. Now, the Word of God, first of all, captures his affection. It, it, it captures his affection. Look at the verse, first or third word in this verse. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. He delights in it. This is something that, it's not a drudgery. It's not time for Bible reading. Ugh, not again. More Bible. No. No, for this man, he's, he enjoys it. He looks forward to it. He likes to read God's word. Uh, this idea of delighting in God's word is not foreign, especially as you read through the Bible. In uh, Psalm 112, in verse number 1, the Bible says, Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. Can I ask you a question, friend? Do you delight greatly in God's word? Or when it's time to read the Bible, or when you hear about reading the Bible, it's like, oh, I would so much rather do something else. I would encourage you to spend, the more you do it, the more you enjoy it. The less you do it, the less you enjoy it. So get into God's word and uh, delight into it. Psalm 119, verse 47, the Bible says, And I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have love. This is a, the psalmist saying, I am purposing and resolving in my heart that I'm going to delight in this. I'm going to enjoy this. Jeremiah 15 and verse 16. The Bible says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. 
And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. It was Ronald Reagan who said this. Within the covers of one single book, the Bible, are all the answers to all the problems that face us today. If only we would read and believe. So friend, I would encourage you to take the time every day to be in God's word. I cannot overstate how important that is for each believer. Is it possible for someone to read God's word every day and and still uh, be distant from the Lord? Absolutely. But I'm telling you, it's impossible for you to be close to the Lord and not be in God's word on a regular daily basis. It's impossible. We need to be in God's word. Absolutely. Um, Amy Carmichael said this, never let good books take the place of the Bible. I, I hope maybe you're you know, taking this time to read some books on, you know, uh, something that interests you, that something's going to sharpen you, uh, that, that's good to do. But she said, never let good books take the place of the Bible. Drink from the well, not from the streams that flow from the well. This is our source of, this is our fountain, this is our well. Let's go and drink from the Word of God. So the Word of God captures his affection, but the Word of God also captures his attention. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and then here it is, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Something that he thinks about on a regular basis throughout the day. This isn't just read for 10, 15 minutes and then call it good and say, okay, check. No, this is something that he dwells upon throughout the day. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. There it is again. Uh, the, the idea that we're constantly thinking about God's word. And he says, Thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Now what about meditation? I'll just say this. Buddhists don't have the corner on it. <laughs> and uh, they're into meditating. Now, Scripture commands us as Christian believers to do it continually. You see, the big difference between uh, Christian meditation or or Bible-believing meditation and other forms of meditation is that with Christian meditation, you don't empty your mind and just let it flow and let things flow in. That's giving way to demonic activity, folks. We need to be careful to avoid any type of activity that would say it's okay to do that it's not okay to do that we're called to think about stuff not to empty our minds and to just let them go with the flow no no no. we're to think about things that are on purpose and i'll get to that in a moment look instead we fill our minds with a thought or a scripture that we want to focus on like a laser beam throughout the day read a single verse over and over again and choose one that carries great meaning for you or addresses a temptation that you're facing. And the word for meditation in Hebrew suggests a cow chewing its cud. You chew on the verse over and over again, and as you read it, contemplate it, think about it, digest it, consider it, question it, and finally rest in it. God's word can and will change you if you're willing to think about it. Philippians 4 and verse number 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honest, just, 
pure, lovely, good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. See, we're not to empty our mind and just let it go. No, no, we're to fill our minds and to think our mi- uh, with our minds on things that are uh, true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report. You know what describes all of that or what that all describes? The word of God. You see, the word of God is true. The word of God is honest. The word of God is just. It's pure. It's lovely. It's of good report. So the word of God needs to be very close and near and dear to our hearts and and, and part of our daily activity. So it's supposed to capture our affection and it's also supposed to capture our attention. To be thinking about that as we go through our day. And I realize that can't occupy every single thought that you have. I realize that for those who work, well, you have to think about your work to do a good job for your boss. I get that. And God understands. But as you go through the day, just kind of keep going back to what you read that morning and be thinking about the Word of God. A truly, can it be done? Can we find true happiness in all the craziness going on? Yes, it can be found. I'm telling you, if, that's, if you're going to be one that finds it, you're going to need to be separate from the world, and you're also going to need to be satisfied with the Word. And then last thought here, a blessed man is situated by the waters. This is another characteristic of a blessed man. Verse number three, those who decide to be separate from the world, those who decide to be uh, satisfied with the Word, they're going to be then situated by the waters. Verse three, he shall be like a tree. Planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. What a tremendous promise. What a tremendous promise. So this man, he is planted. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. What a great place for a tree to be planted by a great source of water. It's a lot better than being placed in a desert where there is no water. This tree by the rivers of water is going to uh, be much, much stronger than one in the desert that doesn't have any water and the roots are very shallow. And compare that to verse number four, where the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. When the winds come and they're coming and they're happening right now. Oh, maybe not physical winds, although we are about ready to hit tornado season in a Well, this month and next are big ones. Our brother Blake, welcome to Oklahoma, brother. (laughs) We're going to have some real winds. We're going to find out which trees here have the roots. And you know, we're going through a storm of life right now and the winds are intense. Those who are delighting in God's word, those who are meditating in God's word, those who are avoiding the wrong influences, they're the ones that are going to Stand firm during the times of storm and the wind, windy days. And we're experiencing a very windy time right now. You can find happiness. You can find peace. But you're going to have to follow the instruction of Psalm 1. So this blessed man, he is planted and then he's also productive. In verse number 3 it says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that, here it is, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season." God wants us to be productive. God wants us to bear fruit. If you read John chapter 15, uh, we learn about how Jesus says, look, I want you to bear fruit, and then I want you to bear more fruit, and then much fruit, and then fruit that remains. 
God wants us to be bearing fruit. How, how can we bear fruit during a time like this? It is possible if we avoid the wrong influences, if our delight and our affection and our attention is on the word of God, it is possible for us to bear great fruit during this time, for God to use you to be a blessing to others. It's possible. Is it difficult? Um, well, without this, it's impossible. But if you follow the instruction here, it's completely doable. So he is planted, he is productive, and he is also prosperous. In verse number three, at the end of it, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Every part of his life is going to continue to develop. Now, is it always going to be perfect? No. But look, for those who are following the instruction of verses one and two, uh, there is a promise here that whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now, no one's been perfect to do verses 1 and 2, except for the Lord Jesus. He's the only perfect example. But here we have a, a standard for us to strive for, and something that we need to be working towards and improving in our lives and growing. You can, again, compare this to verses 4 and 5 here. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. That doesn't mean that they're not going to stand in the judgment, the great white throne judgment. Oh, they'll be there. But they won't have anything to stand on. Uh, they're, they're not going to be able to, their defense is going to be out the window. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. And I love this, verse 6, For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. He knows our way, and he knows the way ahead. We need to just follow him and trust him, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So is it possible? Can we do this? Can we find true happiness during a time like this? I would say based on Psalm 1, absolutely. But it's going to require us to separate from the world. It's going to require us to be satisfied with the word. And then we'll be situated by the waters. And I know that's what your heartbeat is, and I hope that these thoughts will help you as you go through this next couple days and uh, as you make priority shifts in your life. Uh, and this is one of those times in our lives that we're kind of forced to, well, we have a beautiful opportunity right now to make some real good life changes. And if some of these life changes that we've talked about tonight need to be made, please make them tonight. This is God giving you an opportunity to make these decisions. Uh, let's make them tonight while we can so that we won't look back 20 years and say, I wish I would have done something with that message way back on April Fool's Day 2020 when we were under safe at, safer at home orders by the governor of Oklahoma, right? Don't look back and say, I should have. You have an opportunity right now to make the decision to do what's right. And with that, let's go ahead and